Welcome to Data Bytes. I'm Susan Wong. And I'm Jesse Chizeski Kay. Susan and I are two statisticians, and we want to bring statistics closer to you. We will touch on topics in big data, data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and the list may grow. In this episode, we talk about an example of the misuse of simple probability calculation in court, and that had some really dire consequences. Let's get started. Susan, I have a pop quiz for you. Suppose we have a fair coin that is tossed two times. Which of the following subset of possible scenarios has the lowest probability of occurring? Okay, so there are four options here. Heads, 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 tails, tails, heads, or tails, tails. Well, since the probability of heads is equal to the probability of tails, just half-half, and if we assume each toss is independent, then each of these scenarios have the same probability of occurring, just one half squared or, or a quarter. Correct. And you made a great point to emphasize the assumption of independence. Now suppose we modified this just slightly. Suppose now we have two coins um, where coin A is a fair coin, so um, a 50-50 chance of heads or tails, and coin B is biased such that there's a 75% chance of heads and a 25% chance of tails. So I'm going to toss the coin two times. The first toss will be with the fair coin A. And if coin A lands heads up, I'm going to use coin B for the second toss. If coin A lands tails up, I'm going to use the fair coin A again for the second toss. Does that make sense? Do you got it? Yeah, I think I got it. All right. So now which of the following scenarios is least likely? Heads, 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 tails, tails, heads or tails, tails? Well, now the two tosses are not independent, so the four scenarios will not have the same probability. Um, When the first toss lands heads, the second toss is going to be carried out with coin B, and coin B has a lower probability, 25%, of landing tails. So I would say the heads, tails scenario has the lowest probability of 0.5 times 0.25, which is 0.125. Great job. Indeed, yes. So the second example was a case where the first and second toss were not independent, as you pointed out. Um, That is, the outcome of the second toss depended on the outcome of the first toss. So this concept of independence, as simple as it may seem, can have great consequences if not used appropriately. And a common but important example of this is the case of Sally Clark. Sally Clark was an English woman who had two baby boys die just weeks after birth. The first died in December 1996, and the second in January of 1998. So tragic for an infant death to happen not just once, but twice to the same mother. Or does this suggest some kind of foul play? Yeah, so shortly after the death of her second son, indeed, Sally Clark was arrested and charged with murdering them. Uh, Clark was found guilty in November of 1999, and then she was sentenced to life in prison. A first appeal was filed, but the verdict did not change. Um, There were, of course, many dimensions to the trial, including some issues with the autopsy results. Um, It turns out that during the trial, there's an expert witness, uh, pediatrician Sir Roy Meadow, who actually made a major statistical error. Meadow, at the time considered an expert in child abuse, is quoted as having claimed, one sudden infant death is a tragedy, two is suspicious, and three is murder until proven otherwise. 
is a crude aphorism, but a sensible working rule for anyone encountering these tragedies. Yeah, so sudden infant death syndrome, or SIDS, is where a child under one year old suddenly and really unexplainably dies. Um, SIDS is also uh, referred to as caught death. So in court, Meadow had claimed that the the chance that an affluent, non-smoking family like, like the Clarks would have two children die of SIDS was one in 73 million. So this would be, you know, then a very rare occurrence given the number of births that occur in England each year. We'll get to how that number is calculated, but just imagine if you're on the jury and you're told that there is a one in 73 million chance that some event would happen. You'd likely be suspicious of the defendant without additional information. And of course, we can only speculate on its actual effect on the jury, but we do know this information was presented and the jury voted 10 to 2 to convict Sally Clark. So getting back to that 1 in 73 million number, um, how did Meadow get to this number? We should talk a little bit about that. So for affluent, non-smoking families, it was estimated that the chance of a single baby dying of SIDS is 1 in 8,500. So to get to the death, the chance of two babies dying of SIDS, he squared that number, and that gives one in 73 million. So we call from our original coin example that, you know, independence was kind of key to being able to square a probability to get the chance that something, some rare event happens twice. Um, well, Meadow assumed independence here, and that is, you know, he, he really assumed given one child has died of SIDS does not change the probability of a second child dying of SIDS. Yeah, so it could be that the chance of a second child dying of SIDS is higher or lower than the one in 8,500. Um, but this is something that would need to actually be investigated. The Royal Statistical Society came out with a statement against the one in 73 million number, claiming that it was it was just simply not justified. They suggested that there could be genetic or environmental factors that actually would increase the chance of a second child dying of SIDS, noting that this needs to be empirically investigated. And uh, so actually an editorial in the British Medical Journal in 2000 um, by Stephen J. Watkins, um, this article is titled, Conviction by Mathematical Error, Doctors and Lawyers Should Get Probability Theory Right. And in that, um, in that paper, they note studies where the recurrence rates of SIDS was, was actually investigated. Um, there's one study he noted that did not indicate an increase in the recurrence rate of SIDS. But then there were five that suggested recurrence is actually not as rare as the one in 73 million would suggest. And in fact, recurrence rates were estimated to be five times the general population rate in several of those studies. And, um, and two... Um, they found cases where recurrence had an even higher rate. So these studies were published, um, many of them in the 80s and 90s, and it should be noted that um, just in general, this is a challenging area to study since it's not always clear if an infant's death is due to SIDS or something else that just wasn't considered. And on top of that, in general, rare events are really, really hard to study because you just don't have so much data. So that's why scientists still have difficulty predicting earthquakes. Those are also very rare events. Now, the Royal Statistical Society also points out in their statement that there are at least two scenarios here at play, either two cases of SIDS or or two murders of children. Both are rare events, and their rarity needs to be measured against each other. 
Other possible explanations for the death could also be considered, but we could at least focus on these two. Yeah, and so, I mean, just considering those two potential options, um, so the well-known professor of statistics, Philip David, who um, he spent time on the faculty at University College London, uh, City University London, and the University of Cambridge, he wrote up a statement about the Sally Clark case. And one point he made was that if a similarly incorrect analysis was carried out using estimates on the chance of two babies being murdered in their first year of life, um, using values from 1996, the, the probability um, instead of the one in 73 million for the SIDS would be one in 2.15 billion for the for the two murders. So that's, you know, much less likely than the, the one in 73 million for SIDS. I will say that I'm a little surprised that statistics played such a large role in this case. It seems like medical evidence, say in the form of a postmortem, would have provided more details about the cause of death in the babies. What ultimately happened to Sally Clark? Well, there was a second appeal in 2003, and that eventually led to Sally Clark's release due to both new new medical evidence and then new statistical evidence. So several other cases were reevaluated and overturned um, in light of Sally Clark's appeal as well. But, um, But it's It's really not a happy ending here, though. Um, So not only did she spend several years in prison for crimes that she really did not seem to commit, but she also lost two children. Um, After her release, her husband had said that she would never be well again. And apparently she is diagnosed with several uh, psychiatric problems. And then unfortunately, in 2007, um, Sally Clark died of alcohol poisoning. Oh, wow. That's really sad. And I can't believe this happened relatively recently. Yeah, indeed. It's a very sad story. And uh, while the misuse of statistics was, of course, not the the only issue in the case, it did seem to contribute to this miscarriage of justice. Our hope is that when topics of statistics come up in court, they will seek an expert in statistics when the nature of the evidence calls for it. Lesson learned here, when you need to calculate the probability of a series of events occurring together, Don't just multiply the individual event probabilities if the events may be dependent. Thanks for listening to Data Bytes. If you have any questions or suggestions or comments for us, please email us at databytes.podcast at gmail.com. That's databytes with a Y. And if you want to see the numerous articles that served as reference material for today's show, please visit our website at databytespodcast.github.io. Till next time.